ho, 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 and Merry Christmas. It's time for the holiday edition of Fishful Thinker, the podcast. I'm Chad Lachance, and you're listening to Fishful Thinker, the podcast. All things fishful, all the time. Hey, y'all, Chad Lachance here. Thanks so much for tuning into this episode of Fishful Thinker, the podcast. Of course, brought to you by Sportsman's Warehouse, as is everything else that Fishful Thinker does. Happy holidays, Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, whatever it is that gets you going, guys. It's that time of year. Christmas is uh, two days from now. And to be honest with you, we're not fishing a whole bunch right this particular minute, Uh, not doing a whole bunch of hunting, more focused on reflecting and planning on next year stuff and working on all of our video content for next year in terms of post-production and all of those kinds of things. But I do sincerely hope that you and your family are getting out and fishing some. I know here on the front range of Colorado where I live, we've got ice, which is uh, rare for us to have ice before Christmas or at least fishable ice. We do have some of that. So hopefully you guys are getting out and taking advantage of some of that. Of course, the mountains are all capped. And if you're listening from somewhere else in the country, we hope you're fishing as well. Uh, I know ice fishing is going hot and heavy. I also know that open water stuff in the south. So It's Christmas, guys, and when we start thinking about Christmas, we look back at everything that was great this year and everything that wasn't great and and say, well, what what can we do better next year? And and invariably, it comes down to the same thing every year, and that's why I want to chat about on this podcast. Getting involved. Every time I look back at how my year went, the years that I feel like went really well in terms of in the outdoors, it's it's they're the years I took extra time and got involved. The things that are the most rewarding to me, uh, the things that are most productive to my angling skills, is when I made some effort to get involved. So, as a guy who's inclined to offer advice on a regular basis, and I really don't know how I'm can justify that or why you would listen to it or anything else, other than I've managed to spend the last twenty years chasing fish around the country for a living, I. I feel like that that one of the best ways that an angler can advance and one of the things that helped me the most was getting involved. And it's good for the environment. It's good for you. It's good for our sport. It's good for people around you. It will be motivating. And what do I mean by getting involved? Basically, getting in a group of like-minded people. It seems like these days the polarization is all the thing and, you know, we're society's divided and this, that, and the other. But you know what I found out? You walk in a, in a bass club meeting and you're going to find a whole bunch of dudes that are very much like-minded like you. You walk into a walleye club meeting, same kind of thing. You go to Trout Unlimited or the Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation or Wild Turkey Federation or any of the rest of those organizations, you are going to find like-minded people. And those people are tend to be people that are want to get involved type, type people in the first place. Loners don't get involved in clubs, and I totally understand that. But if you are the type that wants to advance your angling or motivate yourself or give you more reason to be involved with a group of like-minded people or, you know, kind of give yourself um, uh, an extra reason to get out and go fish new places or something, a club will do that of some sort. And since my background is firmly planted in bass clubs, I... I got involved originally in fishing because I was fishing all the time. I always wanted to be in the fishing industry, and I was fishing all the time. I was fresh out of college, 
uh, had just got my first real boat, my first real boat. Now I'd had small boats and hand launch boats and stuff, but I got my first real bass boat and my now ex-wife came home with a with a magazine or a newspaper article that the guy had written and uh, and it was about getting involved. Basically the same thing I'm talking about right now, 20, what, 30 years later. Uh, it was about getting involved with a bass club. And she brought it home, thought, hey, you might have fun doing this. Well, <laughs> I think that was an understatement because I got involved with that bass club and met a few key people right off the bat, went to one of their meetings, met a couple of people right off the bat, and it goes back to that like-minded thing that I'm talking about with you guys. It happened to be fall uh, when I saw that article and there was people talking about hunting and, and fishing and I was like, geez, I, I, I can relate to all these guys being fresh out of college and, and I just felt like it was a good thing for me. And so I met some key guys and started fishing with those guys on a regular basis. And what I found out was two things. I found out what I knew about angling and I found out even more bluntly what I didn't know about bass angling specifically. And what it did is it inspired me to learn a whole bunch of stuff in a hurry. And it exposed me to a bunch of techniques that maybe I hadn't been exposed to or nuances of those techniques where I didn't understand the situation, uh, you know, whether it be a, a nuances in different kinds of line or whatever the case might be. And again, this is 30 years ago. So uh, it's been a long time and it's basically at the end of the day, it jump-started my fishing in terms of my knowledge because all of a sudden I was surrounded by guys who were competing. And anytime you get people that are competing for something, everybody will try to figure out how to be better at it, right? That's how competition, that's why companies race cars and motorcycles. That's why bass fishing companies get involved in tournament fishing. Everything gets pushed to a higher level when people are competing, competing for money. And so right away, I found out these guys had skills that I didn't have, for one. And for two, they all kind of worked together and grew everybody's skills as a unit, which I thought was an interesting thing. So consider joining a competition club of some sort if you're a little bit of a competitive guy. And even if you're not, you might find that if you can put your competitiveness aside and just go join the club and go to the meetings and show up and fish without necessarily the expectation of winning, you will be exposed to new fisheries and in new ways of fishing, and it isn't always about beating the guys you're fishing with. Now, at that age of my life, 25 or 30 years ago, it was about beating all those guys, period, end of discussion. I, I mean, it was great to have camaraderie and go to a, you know, a campground somewhere in the Ozarks and fish for four days for a state team tournament or whatever the case might be. I loved all that camaraderie, don't get me wrong. But at the end of the day, I wanted to beat those guys. Well, now, 30 years later, I'm willing to go to a fishing tournament and fish. I still want to win, don't get me wrong, but I'm in it for the big picture more now than when I used to. And if I really want to compete in something these days, I coach because I have more fun coaching and having other people actually try to win. Uh, so, but again, you don't have to be the most competitive guy. You just have to have the desire to be exposed to new techniques, uh, everything from how you handle your boating to how you travel to how you travel with a equipment to the whole nine yards, not just the daily catching fish. And again, it doesn't have to be a bass club. It could be a walleye club or a crappie fishing club. I know there's saltwater clubs, just depends. The conservation organizations are a little bit different, but it's similar. Because in, if you go to a competition club, you're going to go do tournaments somewhere. Uh, you're going to travel to new places and, and force the issue that way, where you're you're going to you're forced to consider a new lake or a new place to fish uh, or 
catching fish on the clock or whatever. But if you join one of the conservation groups, um, say Tron Unlimited or something along those lines, uh, then it's going to be a little different. You're going to meet like-minded people, same kind of thing. You're going to meet people to go fish with, uh, not quite as structured, maybe some other political side of it and things like that involved. But regardless, you're going to be hanging around with people that like the same kinds of things as you and will help you grow as an angler. And if you're humble about all of these clubs, it doesn't matter if it's a conservation organization or a bass club, if you're humble about it, what I have found is people are over the top willing to help you. And it, it was a wonderful thing. And, and at this point in my career, I try to give back at least to the younger anglers going the other way around that way because so many people taught me so much stuff along the way. Uh, but, it, but a conservation organization of some sort, and it can even be a hunting one, because as much as I love to fish, and as much as this is Fishful Thinker, the podcast, at the end of the day, I do a lot of elk hunting, or excuse me, deer hunting and antelope hunting, big game hunting in general. I've done some elk hunting, shot several elk over the course of my career, um, antelope, deer, you know, birds, whatever. I like to hunt too. And conservationists are conservationists, whether you're hunters or fishermen. And uh, so the Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation or the Mule Deer Foundation or the National Wild Turkey Federation or Pheasants Forever, <laughs> Excuse me, I, I have been emceeing Peasants Forever banquets for many, many years. And the reason being is I believe in their cause. And I believe that volunteering some of my time to handle their banquet for them is the least I could do. Uh, but getting involved in any of those clubs will give you, again, a reason, a, a group, a meeting time and place where I'm going to go meet X number of people, you know, or, or, or you know, X times a month, and we're going to go visit somewhere and maybe have a beer and talk about whatever's going on and uh, and go onward from there. So, it's um, it's the kind of thing where I just feel like that it's better for everybody involved if uh, if more people get involved. So. And again, it can be a conservation club or whatever. Uh, another way I feel like to get involved can be volunteering for uh, some sort of the youth organizations or events, and that can be a big one. Um, the Junior Bassmasters or the Cast for Kids Foundation. Um, you know, there's a whole slew of different youth mentoring, boys and girls clubs, and you know, partners foundations, and a whole bunch of different either youth mentoring or um, opportunities for you to donate some of your time and exchange and some of your angling skills and expertise, uh, maybe even your boat time, to other people and grow the angling, grow angling, the sport of angling that way as well. And that's something that is incredibly rewarding. Um, you, 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 it's hard to describe how excited uh, maybe a Downs kid gets when they you hook a fish and hand them a rod and they start fighting this fish and they, they, they just get so excited. It's the most purest form of, of joy that you're going to see. And it's not really fundamentally different than a little kid, right? They, they, the pure uh, pleasure they get from catching a fish is super contagious to be around. So volunteer some time and and, uh, and do the cast event. And if you have questions on any of these guys, shoot me an email at chat at Fishful Thinker, and I will be happy to uh, connect you with the right people in your area as far as that goes. But but one of the youth mentoring organizations would be a great way for you to get involved. Here in Colorado, I don't know if they're in other states, but here in Colorado, they have a fair fair volunteer contingent for teaching angling or outdoor skills in general through Colorado 
Colorado Parks and Wildlife. They have a whole volunteer coordinator and a whole arm of people that do nothing but manage volunteers. Uh, same thing in the county I live in, Larimer County, for the Department of Natural Resource, a big, giant group of volunteers that do everything from teaching naturalist stuff to teaching fishing to campfire cooking or whatever the outdoor events uh, outdoor skills might be animal tracking, uh, even even crazy things like navigation, you know, uh, using stars for navigating, things like that. There's a lot of different outdoor programs that are available. And again, they're not all fishing, but they're all outdoors stuff. A fantastic way to get involved, volunteering a little bit of your time. And again, you'll meet people that are similar to you. And I think it's a it's a good good thing for that. And and just for the record, I do all of these things. I compete in in tournament clubs, or I have uh, historically, I'm not actively doing that right this minute, but I have extensively, I've volunteered extensively, I've belonged to a whole slew of different conservation organizations as well. So I have personal experience with all of these. I'm not suggesting that you do something that I haven't done myself and had an excellent uh, result with. So um, getting involved in that way in the coming year can be a, can be you know something that will advance your angling and, and go from there. But in lieu of that, let's say I don't want to join a club. I don't want to join a bass club. I don't have time for monthly meetings. I don't want to, you know, blah, blah, blah. That's all fine. Do me a favor this coming year. Uh, don't, don't ask for much. Uh, there's one favor. Take somebody new fishing. Uh, doesn't matter if it's your neighbor, your neighbor's kid, your grandkids, your coworker. I don't care who it is suggest that somebody go fishing with you, even if they don't fish, and just tag along for the day. Uh, take them in your boat. Take them for a boat ride. Take, uh, you know, go or offer them some of your bounty. Maybe you were lucky enough to harvest a deer or an elk uh, or whatever the case might be, or you have some extra fish from the end of the season that you had frozen. Maybe cook that up and share it with people. But at the end of the day, what I'm asking you to do is promote our sport and let people realize there's there's more and more and more of a disconnect where everyone thinks they saw it on the internet, therefore they know what they're doing or that I've experienced this. No, you didn't experience anything. You saw it on a computer screen. Get in the boat, go to the pond, go smell the, the swamp gas coming out of the bass pond, go watch the bullfrogs right at dusk doing their thing, go, you know, whatever it is, all the stuff that goes with being in the outdoors, get somebody new to do that, get them out of their comfort zone. And they say one of the biggest barriers to entry these days and why we have lower recruitment than we used to have of new people coming into the sport is because they're not introduced to it, the barriers to entry are higher. Just keep it simple and get somebody out there. Even if you're a hardcore fly fisherman, make it as dumb it down as much as you can dumb it down. And the reason I say even if you're a hardcore fly fisherman, that my experience is as a fly guy myself, we tend to complicate it as much as we can possibly complicate it. Keep it as simple as you can. Take somebody out there. Give them a very, very basic rig and get them out there. Uh, same thing with bass or or bluegills, whatever the case might be. Keep it very simple and take somebody new. Uh, if you're going to take a kid, please do. First of all, take a kid fishing. I, it's always my most fun. It's the, my favorite part of guiding is taking kids, uh, kids or wives that don't fish much, and getting the wives to understand that it, it can be really fun. And uh, those are the things I like. To, those are the people I like to guide, not the hardcore guy. Well, you'll find as a hardcore guy that you'll enjoy taking people as well. You have to remember it's not a fishing trip about you. It's not about the catching. It's not how many fish we can catch. It's 
getting somebody introduced to the outdoors and enjoying their time around the water. And uh, there's just not really a better place to spend time outdoors than around water. Even as a hardcore hunter, I'd rather be around water areas. So since this is a fishing specific podcast most of the time, you know, get them around water, river, just spending time around a river, flipping rocks and walking them down the river, looking at the animal tracks um, can be really neat. You know, it's it's rare to go spend very much time around water, not have extensive amounts of animal tracks. It's one of the things, even as a, in my fifties and an outdoorsman my whole life, I still am constantly watching the tracks on the lake bed whenever I'm walking out here behind my my house, my area here, because there's always new tracks and it always tells a different story and there's always different kinds of animals walking up and down the edge of the water. And the same thing goes wherever you fish. So, you know, take somebody new and show them that kind of stuff, you know. Uh, It just never gets old. You might not see a mountain lion, but you might see a mountain lion track or a bear track or something like that. And people, a lot of people aren't used to seeing that. So get get people out and, and doing that. That's an excellent way to give back for sure. And like I said, at the very least, Offer up a meal or something because the biggest thing these days that's helping hunting and fishing in terms of keeping society involved in it and recognize the value in in the traditional outdoor pursuits, one of the biggest trends that's helping that is the getting back to field to table or or, or lake to table uh, the dining experience. So. You might have a coworker that's, oh, I, I, you know, I, I had deer when I was a kid and it was yucky or they've never been exposed to it at all. Well, bring them some venison that you cooked up or give them some crappie that you cooked up. Get people to recognize the value in going outdoors in that regard, if nothing else. At the most grassroots fundamental level, that's what hunting and fishing was all about, is harvesting food. And I get it. I release 95% of the fish I catch every year, probably more than that. But I still eat some of them because they're delicious and a guy's got to eat. And your neighbor who doesn't fish and doesn't understand it might be oh so happy to have a walleye fillet or two that you can spare and it might change their opinion a little bit. It might make some of the voting go your way next time there's an outdoor initiative of some sort on the ballot when people see, oh, there's a little bit more value to it, even if they don't become lifelong hunters or fishermen. It's just one of those things. But if you get them started as kids, then you know they're gonna, and and that's a really important thing, which is why I say take a kid fishing. One of my biggest points of pride is getting my neighbor kid, who's uh, he's the only child of a single mom, and getting him hooked on on venison and uh, and deer and outdoors. And it started very early for him, and now it's I mean, as a teenager, he's all in on it. And it was a great thing for me. I didn't have kids of my own, so it was a great thing for me to be able to see what happens when you put a lot of time in with a kid and teach him the value of it. And you know, if you're going to introduce a kid to a piece of venison, make him some steak fingers. Take you know, cut your venison thin. Beat it out with a fork or with a mallet, make it nice and tender, fry that sucker up and give it to him like a little steak bite. Then you don't have any chance the kid isn't gonna like it, he's gonna love it, and he's gonna learn that eating deer is cool. And then you can serve him the more pure deer recipes later. But get him hooked on eating it in the first place, or or fish, or whatever the case might be. Give him kid-friendly food to get him used to eating it, and and that's going to be great. Same thing with your neighbor, by the way. If you're going to share venison with somebody, don't make a venison steak and then slap a bunch of blue cheese on top, which might be wonderful on a, on a ribeye steak, but is not good on a venison steak because the gaminess makes it more pungent. If you're going to serve it to somebody, serve them chili, serve them stew, serve them something that you can traditionally 
um, flavor up heavily until people develop a taste for it. And I think that that if you give them something that's gamey or shocking them in the first place, they're not going to bite it anymore. They're not going to eat it anymore. So that's the key to that. So make sure you give, if you're going to share venison or you're going to share pheasant or something like that, make sure it tastes good before you share it. Just for the record, I'm not a proponent of sharing raw venison unless you know somebody knows how to cook it. Because what has happened when I've done that, I give somebody a really nice piece of venison loin and they don't know how to cook it and they assume it's deer and they overcook it because it's wild and it must therefore need to be overdone, well, then it tastes bad. They don't even like it. So I'd rather cook it and give it to them already cooked, and then you know they're going to enjoy it And because it's, it's prepared correctly in the first place. So a little advice as far as that goes. But, you know, as, as I kind of want to keep this podcast short, too, because it's a little bit nebulous. It's kind of all over the place, and I fully get it. But basically what I'm asking of you and what I'm suggesting of you is that as you look forward for this the coming year and what made me happy and what made me feel successful. It was being involved with others and coordinating with other people. It wasn't the individual you know, fish that I caught. Uh, in my case, it's a profession. So the days that we, that, that quote unquote work went really well, where we got some incredible footage and stuff, it still is pales in comparison to the days where we had the really good camaraderie or the really good teaching, the really good lessons that we were able to get across or the good uh, events that came with a bunch of like-minded people together in a group, things like that. Those are the memories that stick with me, not the fish. And I suggest that that might be the same case with you guys. And so many of us get stuck with fishing with our same little group of people. And I'm very guilty of that myself, which is why if you join a club or an organization or, or give yourself a actual reason uh, to fish with other people, you'll find that it will open your mind up a little bit and for sure advance your angling skills in a hurry. My personal goals for my angling this coming year are multiple. Uh, one of them being is to fish with even more of an open mind and even more of a reactive mindset than I normally do. And it's something I've worked on my whole adult life is being more and more immediately reactive to what's going on right in front of me. So if something changes, I want to immediately react. I don't want to be slow to react. And therefore, you need to have an open mind about what's going on and being observant about what's going on. So my biggest single goal for making my angling better this year is to act on my gut instincts immediately. Like if the first time that pop something pops into my brain that I need to do this or don't do that or go here and try this or whatever it is on any given day in the water or in the field for that matter, I'm going to try to be more responsive than I even normally am. And every year I kind of make that goal and every year I get a little better about it and every year I catch more fish because of it. The, the more reactive I am, the quicker I change to everything I observe the more fish I catch. And that requires a very open mind, not fishing memories of last time you were out or last year or two hours ago even. It's it's reacting to directly what is happening right in front of me right now. And that makes me a better angler. That's one of my goals this year. <clears throat> another goal of mine, which is another goal that I do every year, and every year I never regret it and I always do it, is to, again, fish with people that are very good at niche things. So... Whatever it is they might be good at, um, it, it doesn't It doesn't really matter. I'm not even having a clean one come to my head right now, but uh, Bernie Keefe and Lake Trout was a classic one. I needed to learn to catch one 
species of fish and one style of ways to catch them. And so uh, an old friend of mine, Bernie Keefe, I kind of globbed onto him and let him teach me the nuances of jigging for lake trout, and he did. Uh, that kind of thing. So I will go with niche people and figure out how to do what they do. So one of those things, I'm, I'm going to learn uh, spay casting this year, which I think would be a fun thing to learn, as well as center pinning. And I can learn both both of those from the same person, but they're very niche I'm not going to go to that guy to learn all kinds of stuff. He's a very diverse angler, but I'm going to go to him to learn those two things specifically. And, uh, and so that's another goal of mine uh, for sure is to do that. And then another goal of mine, and this is a big one, is, and I do it every year, and every year I get a little bit better at this one as well, and that is uh, my physical prowess, casting accuracy and line control. I'm preparing right now for the, for the Denver Inter- International Sportsman's Expo in January. I'll be doing a casting accuracy contest there with one of the best fly casters in the in the West uh, by the name of Jeff Wagner, and uh, he's my partner. He'll handle the fly casting side. I'll handle the conventional side. That means I better hold up my end of the deal because he's a really, really good caster, and so I better be as well. So the focus on casting accuracy and line control uh, and rod position all the time, the mechanical skills of it. Uh, every time I get away from that or get lazy about that, I catch less fish and I frustrate myself more. It, for me, it's an overlying thing that it, it, it affects all my angling. Um, unless you're just trolling, casting accuracy and line control, slack line control, rod position, those are the most important things in fishing, not a secret bait or a secret spot or anything else. I can give you a secret bait and a great spot and it can be loaded with fish and you can have the whole pattern. I can hand you the whole thing, spoon feed you the whole thing. And if you can't make the cast or you're not controlling the slack correctly or you're not in control of your lure correctly because of line control and rod position, then you're not going to catch those fish. And conversely, if you've got a good handle on all those mechanical skills, you can catch fish when others can't. And that's going to be something that I continue to focus on as I'm, you know, later in my fishing career, so to speak, 30 years in. I still focus on casting accuracy and line control. I still focus on fishing with an open mind and making immediate decisions. You know, those things don't really change. I still focus on fishing with people better than me. And then the last thing, which is new for this year, for me is to figure out better ways to communicate fishing because I've been doing this for a profession for 20 years and to be able to communicate what's going on on any given day is a skill set that is in constant evolution and it's not that easy to do. A lot of things in fishing are nuances and they're vibe things and you know feel things and observation things. They're not nuts and bolts things. And so learning how to communicate it First of all, it involves understanding it at a deep level yourself. And then second of all, being able to put it in words so that it will make sense to you, whether it be in a podcast or a television show or a YouTube video or whatever, uh, so that I, it will make sense to you and that you can take something productive from it. Because that's what Fishful Thinker is all about. One of the cornerstones of Fishful Thinker is education, and that will not change. So here as we look at Christmas 2022 and look forward uh, two days after Christmas, our new season starts on Altitude Sports and Entertainment and World Fishing Network. I would love for you to look us up there, guys. Uh, we're airing multiple days a week at various times. Look up your local providers and look up Altitude Sports or World Fishing Network. The same content will be on both of those networks. You can get either one of them. There's additional content on World Fishing Network over and above what's on Altitude as well. So 
we hope you guys will check that out and we'll keep the stuff flowing. So last minute gift ideas, go to Sportsman's Warehouse, get a gift card. I'm gonna tell you why. Those never go out of style. There's never been an outdoorsman that wasn't happy to get a gift card. I understand that they lack um, imagination, so to speak, but man, the practical side of it is really, really good. And and even with all the fishing and hunting gear that I happen to have, I never met a Sportsman's Warehouse gift card I didn't like. So get one, guys. It's last minute. We're two days before Christmas. Get one of those if you haven't got one for somebody. You can get them in lots of denominations for whatever the value you need, and make somebody's day with that. And uh, and that's that's my last minute Christmas advice. More importantly than that. Enjoy your time with family. Stay off your phones to some degree if you can. Focus on living in the moment. That's that's my big life goal for the coming year too, is to spend more time living in the now and less time recording it for posterity and uh, and worrying about the past. So thank you guys very much. Merry Christmas, and uh, hopefully you have a great Christmas. And we'll be back next year on New Year's, or next, uh, well, I guess one more time this year for the New Year's Eve Fishful Thinker of the podcast. We appreciate it, guys, very much. Hope you guys have a wonderful Merry Christmas with family. And thanks for listening because this has been Fishful Thinker, the podcast.